Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Finding Islam podcast. I'm uh, your host, Abir, lifestyle editor for Finding Islam. I'm joined by two guests, uh, one familiar, one new. So firstly joined with uh, Zan, our analytical editor for uh, for Finding Islam. Uh, welcome, Zan. Thanks for joining us again. And special guest, uh, Marwan. So Marwan, would you like to just give a just a quick introduction to yourself? Absolutely. Assalamu uh, alaikum. My name is Marwan. Uh, Marwan Alakari. Alakari. Um, I do know my name. I don't know why I put it there, my name, but I do know my name. My name is Marwan Alakari. Uh, I am currently in the field of kind of consulting, but also it's kind of like in project management in the area of data analysis, uh, specifically in the field of media. Um, I previously done my master's at SOAS, SOAS University. I studied international management and economics, um, focused on the Middle East. And I done my thesis focused specifically on the institutions of change, how especially international institutions, but also national and local institutions drive change and really looking at different, or in particular kind of new age economics to, to understand post uh, Arab Spring, what's really been happening, how it's impacted, um, how it's impacted, you know, the developments as well as where we are right now. Um, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I think I'll go probably go into a bit more detail, inshallah, when I discuss some of the topics. Inshallah, yeah, I know it's a uh, it's nice to have you with you know your background and everything. It's actually very relevant, I feel, to the discussion we'll be having, inshallah. Um, plus, I know you got some nice insights uh, onto this kind of area. Um, so what we'll be discussing basically for today, it kind of stems a lot from our last episode where we discussed a lot about capitalism, capitalism and particularly the uh, the issues of it from an Islamic perspective. The, today we'll talk a bit more about it more, uh, we'll tie Islam and Muslim kind of Muslims into it as well, but it'll be a little bit more based on kind of uh, the media and kind of how it's used as a way to either, uh, I guess, critique or praise things such as capitalism and aspects of our society. And mainly because it's very topical, we'll, we'll talk a bit about Squid Game, which I think is a very effective way of uh, doing that. So we'll just, we'll just jump into it. So first of all, what did you guys think of Squid Game? Personally, I, I liked it. You think it was good? I, I, I thought it was quite fantastic. I thought it was a great um, you know, socio, socioeconomic critique of, of capitalism in Korea. But obviously that has um, a lot of relevance outside of Korea, you know, in terms of... And, Addressing issues like the class struggle, um, social mobility, and uh, corruption of elites, and the lack of, uh, I suppose, uh, the lack of uh, sympathy or empathy that uh, that uh, accompanies capitalism, a society, uh, an ideology which values the material. Mm. Absolutely. What about yourself, Milan? I personally really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I think a lot of Korean filmography and, and films and shows, they really have this really nice subtlety when going into social issues. And not only do they have that subtlety, which I think in particular American, you know, North American movies lack, they have this ability to, to touch on so many different topics through like very, very mind challenging or like very challenging um, shows. I, I think. We've seen a few films between the three of us that 
that touch on these similar topics within uh, Korean film, um, and and they always do it really well. I think I think we're going to discuss a couple more of them anyway. So. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot more to discuss, and I, I would just like to to you know to to make it clear that you know I'm not a sheep. Uh, I I was I was already watching Korean films like ten years ago, <laughs> just you know in case anyone was wondering. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't hop on a bandwagon. The, the stuff that's better than Squid Game, but it's just popular. So let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> that that's the reality. Now, like, uh, actually, to be honest, it was, it was it was you who introduced me to Korean film. Uh, actually, I remember we watched uh, uh, one of your house a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I I, I can back you up on that one. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> with Squid Game, I t- you know, it helps definitely that it was, it's on Netflix. You know, Netflix obviously being the massive platform that it is, um, you know, boosted kind of, I think, its popularity. Plus, you know, um, I think what, for, what made it special and kind of, I think, a big hit, particularly outside of Korea, was how well it's shot. You know, like this fantastic direction, amazing des- design and everything, and just the acting and performances from everyone are fantastic. You know, like you you get a feel for everyone in that show like why they're participating here what how they got to this point that they're this desperate you know for money and each character is likable and dislikable you know uh, as as they're intended to be which is you know great plus without a doubt you know once once something kind of gets uh you know has that kind of shock value and kind of um you know like some previous shows have had like tiger king making a murder or it's something people can discuss it, it goes everywhere then, you know, and meet, you know, the memes and discussions go over Twitter and Instagram, these things. I think that helps really blow it up. But um, yeah, to bring kind of the discussion back to the show, without a doubt, very, you know, a very impressive show um, for how good it is. And I hope I hope we see a season two. I don't know for certain if we will, but um, it'll be good to see more of it and kind of what they do there. Um, and, you know, to touch a little bit <clears throat> Uh, I suppose, actually, I would ask the question then, I, particularly for yourself, Zan, because you've seen some previous examples. Um, so, like, we, we, you know, I think we all know of the film Parasite, and we've all seen Parasite, another, you know, prominent example of, you know, a film critiquing, uh, you know, Korean society and uh, kind of very harsh capitalist environment there. Are there any other, like, some of the other films you've seen, would they be similar in that sense? Like, do you see that kind of social commentary there? To, to us, you know, the director of Parasite, even before, you know, he blew up with, with that film, a lot of his films were producing very good social commentary. His name is Bong Joon-ho, and, and before Parasite, he did Okja, and he did uh, Snowpiercer, which are, are, are both films about, you know, uh, about class and economics and, you know, um, you know, the... the 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 struggle the the struggle of advancing in society or or doing well you know Snowpiercer it's a story about people who like live in the only train in existence all of humanity lives on a train that circles the world and the people at the back of the train are the have-nots and the people at the front of the train are the the haves you know so it's just mm-hmm. another great a great film about that this, this very similar issues and similarly with um with this film Ocha that actually goes a lot into um capitalism in terms of corporations and the, the, their power and influence over ordinary lives. And uh, another great series, which people who totally watch is um, it's Kingdom. It's, it's there on, it's on Netflix. It's about medieval Korea. Um, and it's about like, you know, political intrigue and how ordinary people are overtaxed and marginalized and, you know, are 
you know, ruled over these corrupt elites, and also they're zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah. there's a lot of these like consistent themes that are coming out of uh, Korean cinema, not not even just recently, but over the last 10, 20 years, and it, it probably does have something to do with the lived reality of Korean people in in a society which is very much embraced. Euro-American capitalism, and although it's not the same as their capitalism, it is at the end of the day based off, you know, their fundamental, their fundamental, like, you know, philosophical and economic outlook. So it's yeah. yeah. Building that, I I think not only is it because it's not just obviously the Koreans um, who have who have these social issues. Um, It's it's the same I think worldwide, but it's also their love of of this kind of free expression of um, of um, of ideas rather than kind of really limiting your your films to you know have a savior have you know that three act being able to really actually uh, enjoy movies that you know will critique very heavily the society that we live in you know not be falling within that kind of, that same consistent you know everything has a happy ending everything is an opiate everything you know is just trying to get that dopamine running um yeah absolutely that's a fantastic point and you see that in both squid game and parasite like <clears throat> the ending of squid game is not at all a happy ending like you know the guy wins the money but he is you know like what does it cost him like he you know his 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 daughter no longer lives in Korea. Uh, you know, his mother is, uh, by the way, sorry for spoilers <laughs> for anyone watching this who hasn't, you know, watched these shows yet, but uh, we will be spoiling it. Um, you know, his mother, his mother's, you know, d- gone. She's died as well before, before yeah. he could get back. Gone. He, he, yeah, he's, lo- <laughs> he's lost everything, you know, and you see a year later, he hasn't even spent or done anything with his money. He's not living as if he has all this money. So what, you know, what was the point? What was it worth? And I, I enjoyed, you know, I, I enjoyed the reveal when he speaks to like, you know, the old man and they had that kind of bet to see, you know, will they help, will someone help the, the drunken man outside who's going to freeze to death? And in the end, someone does because as sad and depressing <clears throat> as the ending of the show is, there is still a little bit of hope there. Like when you see that, um, which I thought was nice. There is, that is still a positive message. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's very true that, you know, these kind of, you know, from the, I'm not as familiar with Korean cinema. You know, my main examples are Parasite and Squid Game, but both have that kind of very melancholy ending that just leaves you thinking, just kind of processing everything you've witnessed. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just like, it, it is, it is, it's good. I think it's good to have media like that, that leaves you pondering, you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. watched a movie just a couple of um, weeks before I watched Squid Game. I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It's called The Platform. It's not a Korean movie. Uh, I think mm. it's Spanish. And I think once we kind of get out of the the North American continent, we begin to see some, across all of Europe, you see some excellent movies that really have the same as the, uh, all of the same t- uh, points that we've mentioned about Korean film, in particular European uh, films. Um, and have either of you guys watched the platform? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's it's this, it's very similar. Like it has this very surrealist yeah. uh, plot where it's like a 
vertical prison and there's a platform of food that oh, you know up that. down every day yeah. um and i really i'm not going to spoil the movie but i really enjoyed it because it's not that type of movie where the hero ends up like doing what you expect him to do i'm trying to really not spoil it for you guys um <laughs> you know but really representing true reality but by you know the way that the ending kind of finishes quite difficult to get to my point you know having uh, <laughs> not trying to spoil it but i, I think it, it does have that same element of sur- surrealism trying to push forward uh, a critique of society um and yeah no i, I think these type of movies uh, we've all discussed them before they're they're definitely our favorite type of movies because they they don't leave you feeling the way you want them or the way that you're expecting them to make you feel. Um, I do, I do uh, recommend people get away from North American movies. You know, just, just yeah. on that point, I'm really glad you're, you're raising it, you know, like how, um, you know, how sometimes culture and, and, and mass culture can be used as, as no theater means of distraction, you know, throwing bread and circuses of people. Um, I, I think that's a great point. And I don't think that, you know, that maybe maybe there is an argument to be made that Euro-American cinema isn't as, you know, critical of power structure, structures as it could be. Although there, there definitely are great films in that vein. But a great example of, of, of a failure of this is um, is some of the Marvel stuff that's been coming out recently, which I sort of detest. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you saw the, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But, you know, it's exploring these issues of, of race in America and, and what it means mm-hmm. to be, you know, a man of color and... To, to, to take on the mantle of a of a white superhero and it's asking these very important and interesting questions and then it basically ends in this with a, a total failure to provide any sort of meaning meaningful challenge to the to the very power structures that the characters were critiquing you know it, it was just a failure in that way you know it was just like oh just you know it, 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 participate in the power structures so I, I thought that exactly. was great. So I think that's yeah. it's very useful to raise, and I think it also on on the same point you're watching apart from it's you say it was Spanish, Brazilian. Yeah, it's Spanish. I believe so. I think one of the reasons that we're actually seeing like a massive rise and proliferation of non-Western cinema and culture in recent times. I was actually obviously you guys will know this. Um, I, I work in in cultural relations organization, so I, I do a lot of the. Uh, I, I get involved in a lot of these very interesting conversations, and and this week we were in the strategy strategy session, and the head of strategy was saying, you know, that that like that the 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 primacy, the you know the supremacy of of you know British and American culture is is actually being challenged by. He specifically mentioned Earth Rule in Turkey, like Turkish dramas. He mentioned Squid Game, um, you know, he's uh, it's it's like people in cultural relation uh, in cultural organization are actually. They can see that there's a reason for these shows to be popular, and and he specifically said like they're addressing what audiences want to see. You know, like there there are people around the world who relate to to, to these Turkish dramas, to things like Urtu. It reflects their values and their ideas, and and same for some things like Squid Game. People have problems with capitalism and 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 are economically marginalized, and the these the shows. Are addressing issues, so that, that, it's a great point you're making, Juan, about how, um, but but cinema from outside of North America has its um, has its has its has its value being more, I suppose, appreciated. Yeah, it's great to see as well because I think 
you know, the majority of people that are from, you know, uh, the Western world, like the US and Europe, they wouldn't be as familiar with uh, other film industries, you know, like we've seen, you know, we've seen Bollywood become massive in terms of numbers, but that's mainly because it's, you know, it's still obviously massive in India, but also they've become very, very popular in China. And of course, with diaspora, you know, South Asians uh, around the world. But I wouldn't say they've penetrated like the Western kind of uh, film uh, industry the same way now kind of we've seen with the likes of Squid Game, Parasite, you know, Parasite winning Best uh, Picture and also, you know, Best Director at the Academy Awards. Very significant. You know, it's a it is a it's a massive it is a massive achievement. Um, and it's been building for a long time. Like, you know, like you said, Zan, these are, you know, this isn't, these aren't outliers of Korean cinema. You know, they have a strong standard now when it comes to filmmaking um, and TV shows in general. And we are seeing that more. And I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned Marvel. I had a feeling you would, because um, I know we discussed Black Panther quite a bit, you know, when it came out. And, you know, for me, my expectation with any Marvel movie or TV show, it's always that I'll be entertained and that's about it. And, the one film I suppose I was hoping would be a bit deeper is Black Panther. And, you know, you watch it and it always felt like they're getting there and then they just don't go the extra step. Like, you know, the whole concept of Wakanda doing nothing for other African nations, doing nothing for you know, African-Americans and so on, when they fully are capable of supporting them, you know, um, for the for their fear of kind of being, you know, exploited. That, that itself is a critique right there of the nation state and how the nation state will only focus on its own national interests before anything else. Um, and even Killmonger as, as a villain and his father, uh, who had good intentions, but, you know, of course, with Killmonger, they just made him bloodthirsty and kind of someone without an actual plan. Great ideology, but without an actual plan other than just revenge and violence, you know, which was such a shame, <laughs> to be honest, because it was... It could have been fantastic. It could have been that kind of social commentary we've never seen in a mainstream Western film before, other than, you know, the likes of like Fight Club and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. You do see these, um, you do see these outlier films like, like Fight Club um, from, from David Fincher. Actually, he, he does some, he, his work has some great critiques and, and, the, the, like Fight Club or The Matrix or, or The Truman Show, you know, the, these are all big yeah. films to critique modern office life, capitalist life. So you just see these outliers, but yeah, unfortunately, like, you know, the, 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 the billion dollar films are, are these, these opiate films, I think, as Moran was describing them. So um, it, it is a shame. And, you know, you know even to us, you might argue, and this is, you might say this as a critique of the Korean films as well, and, and of any of the, these good films like Black Club that are coming out of America, you might argue that that's just capitalism's way of commercializing critique, <laughs> you know, commercializing dissent. So even as much as we'd like to praise Squid Game or or um, or, or, or Fight Club or Matrix, any of these great critiques that are coming out of modern society that we need, that, that are important, these are important critiques, but they are just a way of, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, get, I, get what you're, I get what you're saying. And you do see, you see that trend particularly in, in Britain, you know, there's so many TV shows that are about people on benefits, about there's literally shows about people like, uh, you know, repo men repossessing pe people's houses and belongings shows about, you know, um, uh, enforcers, um, uh, removing people that can't pay rent anymore. And it's like, these are all designed to just 
basically make you dislike poor people. That's what it feels like. You know, like these people, you don't really care about why they're in that circumstance. You're just like, oh, you know, they can't. It's probably, they're probably just, you know, lazy or they're on drugs or whatever. And they're in this situation all through their own fault when that is not often actually the case. And some very unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances that lead them into that position. But you don't care about the individual. And it's very much a commercialization, I feel, of um, of basically just the wealth divide and just kind of the class system that is still very prevalent in the UK. So I think it's a very valid point. And kind of one thing as well, I'd extend on that. You know, with Korea, one concern I'd have is as they become more popular outside of, you know, their media becomes more popular outside of Korea, they will they will follow the same norms and trends that you see in these, you know, popular commercial mainstream films like the Marvel films and so on. Because you have seen that with like Korean pop music, for example. Um, it's very it's very sanitized, very commercial, designed to just be, you know, max appeal um you know and like i i've i've been fascinated by by it for a long time and yeah it's just it's it's just it's like a factory you know just what okay what will generate the biggest popularity outside how can we appeal to everyone you know yeah i, I think especially in you mentioned us again k-pop and k-dramas and uh, which is like really the other side of korean culture um and even one that i, I think they do try to critique to a certain extent in uh, Squid Games, uh, where I remember watching a documentary about how K-pop stars would be crammed into this house, put under really, yeah. really strict regimens. You know, yeah. they have to like surgeries. Uh, sell pretty much all of their rights. They have to have like, you know, 5% body fat at all times. They, they can get fired it's, at any time. They're completely like serious. commercial. It's like modern slavery in K-pop. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. And it starts when you're a kid, you know, they literally have like these, I would call them factories, because that's what they are. They're like basically designed to, okay, at, at you know, at 10 or whatever age it is, when you're a young child, do do they see you as someone who can potentially not only be, you know, a singer or a dancer or whatever, but can be, uh, you know, a commercial image? Because like, the reality is with the music industry in general, it's a product that they're selling. You know, you are, you're not an individual, you're a product. And you definitely see that taken to the extreme with Korean pop music. Um, and yeah, it's horrendous the treatment they get, you know, like there's so many stories um, and they can't say anything. You know, I remember there was one uh, Korean pop star who um, he said something that was taken as con being controversial. Like it was, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was some kind of it was taken basically as bad mouth in Korean society or something. And he was no longer part of that group. He got kicked out um you know but yeah you it's be critical in any way you can't be no. controversial you can't have any thought that might you know make the commercial machine lose a penny here or there yep. um I'll, I'll even take it further i think touching on both these points that the point of like creating these like commercial machines and also the previous points of opiates uh, and and film and movies being like really a, uh, capitalistic opiates you know for the masses um, I, I'm going to go into my, my current job. Um, I'm not going to mention anything specific, but um, I really want to talk about like the technology or like kind of the infrastructure that's currently being built. And that's been built in the United States for nearly 100 years now. So my company, uh, or the one that I work for, they're first and foremost a media measurement company. They have this thing called TAM, Total Audience Measurement, which is 
thousands of people across the US, across the UK, um, across quite a few really large markets. Uh, and, and I'm going to go into the, the project that I'm working on as well. They have these devices in their homes, literally analyzing every moment of TV consumption and behavior. Not only TV, but all media consumption and behavior. Then we also have on the other side of it, which is the really powerful side of it, the um, the analysis, which is, okay, you have this minute by minute um, you know, understanding of how people are consuming, thousands of people, how they're consuming media, you know, what movies they're watching, when they switch off, when they don't switch off. At the other side of it, you have social, uh, you know, analysis of these people, social psychographic analysis. Who are these people? Why are they watching this? Why are they not watching this at this time? Uh, even in terms of the social change that's happening over a period of time. Okay, for example, I, I think you, you mentioned Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, it's not just that they're they're not only you know a part of the mechanism, you know the the structures of power. They're actually moving the structures of power forward because we know through you know the latest data from from you know this total uh, audience measurement as well as from our current uh, analysis from all of that data and the psychographic and social data that we add to it that people react better to this story or that story or this idea uh, and and you can drive literal social change through these infrastructures so media is becoming a part or an infrastructure of institutional economics like it's it's literally shifting society in a specific direction uh, when you're looking at k-pop stars and, and like the, the whole korean kind of pop culture uh movement it's not just about commercializing it to a large extent especially when governments get involved and in, like big private entities and public entities that have a sort of kind of cultural uh, agenda to push forward you actually have social change machines being created here and these movies the shows can be a part of it uh, so currently within the middle east we're we're introducing this technology as well um which is kind of scary because especially if governments are the ones who introduce this kind of total analysis of, of society, um, they have the power to shift programming, shift you know TV, shift movies, shows in specific directions, whether it's in good ways or in bad ways. Like, you know, for example, you see something like Ortogul. If you have Ortogul and you have deep analysis behind it as well, knowing exactly, okay, this episode done really well. Why did it do well? Creating the right focus groups, going into, you know, even like everything from look and feel to the characters, to the, to the actors, doing a full measurement of every aspect of it. You can literally like create the perfect models of an episode and just push it forward and push the right ideas that you want forward with it and just shift society slowly, slowly. Um, quite fascinating but this is the, the structures that have been instituted a long time ago in the united states in the uk uh, and have been used you know to to shift ideas shift political ideas and now they're currently being introduced into into the developing world to a certain extent and i think we see it we see it probably in korea as well in, in the public culture that we spoke about and it's the way that you make the best money like it's that's how you commercialize better than ever, like when you have an understanding of every aspect 
of what people want, what every specific person wants, then you can push the right, for example, advertisements at the right time. You can push the right content in the right way, you know, to get the maximum audience uh, while also pushing change in the way that you want it. Um, would, you, would, you, would you say that, that you know, this, um, this institution of media like, or the institutionalization of media across countries, would you say, is that a, a means of not only influencing, you know, the opinion and cultural, tr- socio-cultural trends in their own countries, but would you even argue that it's perhaps a way of extending their soft power internationally? Which is, 100%. You, you would say so, because, like, because there have been a lot of analyses about, you know, how Squid Game and a lot of uh, Korea's cultural output is increasing its soft power output. And it's... Not only... Of, yeah? Like, I can... 100% confirm that because I know that, like, for example, if we're looking at Egypt, the companies that are doing the most research and, and doing the most influence in, in media in Egypt are not Egyptian companies. They're companies which are external to Egypt that have, you know, this, they do want to challenge or to change culture there or to like, I remember one of the researches that we were involved in was looking at the perceptions of a certain country. Um, I won't mention a country, but looking at the certain perceptions of a country across the rest of the, the, the Gulf and analyzing, okay, not only, okay, these people, this is their perception. These people, this is their perception. Why is it that, you know, they think in this way? What would make them change their opinion about this country? What, you know, for example, if it's something to do with tourism or something to do with media, what type of media do we need to be pushing forward to improve our perception of our country externally? This is, uh, it's even more important than changing perceptions of people internally, you know, especially when like your biggest uh, form of economic input outside of renewable uh, resources is tourism. Uh, bringing people into the country and, and... So I think that's like everything you've just said is is it leads us to a very good position to carry this conversation forward because we've talked about now like about how how we're seeing the tangible effects of Korea's cultural efforts across the world with the proliferation of its culture you know it's you you could argue that it's means not only okay is it is it like on one end it has its own value as cultural output, you know, and then on the other hand, like you know, and we that's why we we enjoy it. Uh, like, but on the other end, it uh, it has its value as a means of extending Korean influence, and 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 we see, and people see it as a challenger to the traditional Euro-American cultural hegemony in the world, and that's why people talk about Turkey and Erdogan as well. You know how they're using their media institutions to attract and influence internationally you know people people's hearts have been changed by shows like Urdu and um, I think it where, where this is where this all leads us is just I suppose just to consider how important it is for for Muslims and for Muslim countries to understand the effects of cultural consumption and and media and for them to try and make use of them themselves in the same vein as countries like Turkey and Korea, you know, non a tradition countries which aren't traditionally uh, cultural hegemons, which are you know flexing their muscles a bit, and it's it's good for um, it's, it's something that would be very beneficial for for Muslims for them to be consuming media and culture that corresponds to their values 
that even reinforces them and that perhaps encourages integration between Muslims, you know? It's, it's good that people in Pakistan love, uh, love uh, Urdu and Turkish dramas. It, bring, it brings their hearts closer. And it's, think, it's a show with Islamic values, uh, you might even argue. I haven't seen too much of it, but, you know, so it's, yeah. it's like these videos, churches, I suppose all the points you were just making, making it, it really, like, we see that it can be something that's quite harmful, and it can be something that's quite, you know, um, sort of uh, malevolent in its intention, or it could be so, uh, an opportunity, and it should be an opportunity, I think, for Muslims. I personally, like, within the specific projects that I work on, my clients. I, I don't think I'm doing anything harmful. If anything, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to add on to what you just said and trying to benefit uh, institutions that I'm a fond of. Um, <laughs> but I think really, I, I fully agree with what you said. I, I remember reading somewhere about how the Cold War was not won through weapons. It was not won through, through diplomacy. It was won through cinema, through American cinema, through American you know, cinema being able to perpetrate this idea, which was a false idea. You think of the 1960s America, a country rife with, you know, racial and political tension, a country that has so many social issues. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) To be able to convince the rest of the world that, you know, their, their culture, their ideas, what they're putting forward to the world is better than, you know, this behemoth. And then I remember... The same, uh, I can maybe kind of uh, look for that author afterwards, but they, they also then looked at Russia. And then a lot of Russian, a lot of Russian films, Russian cinema, Russian art was very high culture. Uh, yeah. It's it focused on, on like orchestras. Yeah. Exactly, on like theaters. It was, it was like for a very specific class, which yeah. is obviously. It didn't have a mass appeal. Yeah. It didn't. American cultural output was was mass appeal, and it was you know, it, it yeah. So it had a completely different um, intention, and also obviously they really advantage from the fact that British colonialism means that everyone speaks English. It's yeah. it's it's it, it was no coincidence that like for every like American film, you know, action film or whatever, the the villain was always like Russian for the longest time, and even today the image of the US in the past, it's, I think most people have a pretty, especially elderly people, they have such a positive view on it, like elderly Americans and Trump, you know, Trump played a lot, played a lot of, uh, you know, took advantage of this as well. His juice campaign, always talking about make America great, you know, again, and kind of talking about the past and all this kind of stuff, that kind of, you know, dialogue. All of these ideas were created in American focus groups. This is yeah. the American media institution at full force. I think one movie that really portrayed this really well was the movie Vice. Vice. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah. Um, you recommended it so to me. It, yeah. Absolutely fantastic movie. I, I really enjoyed it. It, it looks at uh, Dick Cheney's life. Mm. And there was that one scene where Dick Cheney and his cronies, they were actually quite important in the creation of Fox. Of Fox News in particular. Uh, and during their creation of Fox News, they were like fo- uh, putting into focus groups every single terminology that was going to be put forward to to change the the perceptions of you know not only the, the whole country but also the whole world about the war on terror. Like the world word war on terror came out of a focus group. The you know the, the idea that Iraq yes. had weapons of mass destruction. These came out of uh, focus groups. It's like really showing how 
media can be this institution, you know, that yeah. protects politics, protects uh, structures of power. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that you know Hitler understood the power of this. You know, like he had this whole propaganda machine. You know, Gerbil was and also, the grandfather of all of this. He, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. And even um, Kim Jong Il, you know, his whole—I mean, his political real, political career started from being like the head of um, uh, media or whatever his exact title was. I forget, but he he literally like he kidnapped. Um, uh, prolific South Korean, you know, actors and dictators and so, or actors and directors and so on as well to kind of boost and focus on North Korean cinema. Um, so without a doubt, it's been a powerful thing and known as a powerful thing for a long time. But yeah, it is it's definitely concerning, kind of seeing how targeted it is and kind of how everything we're see- that is presented to us. It's presented as if it's this is what it is. But it's all, yeah, presented as truth, but it's all been, you know, uh, written and directed in a way to, yeah. to get, you know, to be, be as effective as possible in, in the intent of that. their message. I suppose, you know, we've just done like a 180 from the beginning because at the beginning we were like, well, Squid Game is great. And now it's like, can we really trust Squid Game? <laughs> 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 I think it's, 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 point on that point, <laughs> is really, I think, especially what happened in 2016 with, with uh, Cambridge Analytica, with the whole concept of mm. fake news over the last four or five years, there is a serious skepticism of traditional media at the moment. And this is yeah. something where, you know, shows that come in and don't just show you, okay, this person is clearly the good person and this person is clearly the bad person. People actually enjoy that a lot more these days. Uh, one of our recent studies, we were looking at... Um, so we segment, one of the things that we do is we segment society into different psychographic, ideological, social groups. Um, and one of the social groups is the disillusioned with news and disillusioned with media. And this is a group of people who, you know, they don't believe in, in you know, what mainstream media is pushing forward, etc. That group has absolutely ballooned since the last mm. four or five years. It's, it's just been increasing more and more. This group of, uh, like, for example, I, I know that this group loves Al Jazeera, even in the West. Why? Because it's just simply something that is very foreign, like in terms, it's not just CNN or BBC or something that's, that's trying to push forward that mainstream, the mainstream ideas that everyone's agreeing to. Uh, and also, it's seen as this, like, uh, this, troublemaker in, in the East somewhere that's trying to challenge ideas, that's trying to bring forward new concepts. And so I think it's it's not just that we're like, oh, can we trust or mistrust or not trust uh, Squid Games? It's people are becoming a lot more trusting of of this, this type of media, of like skeptical media, yeah. per se. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And things like even COVID-19, I think, accelerated that even more. You know, the amount of mis- misinformation, the amount of kind of misreporting that you see. And it happens, you know, people have learned nothing. Like, it still happens. Even, like, Dave Chappelle's new new special is a perfect example of that. You know, most of the criticism it receives are from people that don't seem to have understand, understood really what the, what the point was that he was driving home. At least I feel that way anyway. Um, you know, and rather it's just... I mean, it's easier to just be outraged by these things or just to only see it from your perspective rather than look at it, look at it objectively. Um, 
which is what ends up happening, you know, with, with all these kind of things um, that we're seeing. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious. It's, it's a very weird time. It's, it'll be interesting to see how things progress, you know, like Facebook and Instagram have been in the uh, limelight right now as well, be, over similar concerns, you know, of like, uh, basically, particularly how they're like targeting uh, younger people, like teenagers and so on, the effect it's having on younger people. Um, and it's, it's just barrel, you know, it, when you think about being at that age where you, where you are, you know, typically more impressionable to what you see and you're just getting barrels of information that again, it's, it's algorithmically determined to show you what it thinks you want to see and what will kind of get more engagement from you and thus kind of generate them more money. Uh, they're not trying to show you what is necessarily true or correct, you know, um, which is why, you know, we've seen Facebook has been particularly very poor at stopping kind of misinformation and, you know, and, and, and this kind of, this kind of, uh, these kind of as issues. Somebody, as, like, I know people who work in, particularly, not just in, not on Facebook, but in Facebook um, content review. And this is very, like, kind of insider uh, information. But I remember one of them showed me, if not that, okay, this is bad, you know, remove this, this is bad, this is misinformation. I remember at one point they were shown a slide where it was literally like, um, you know, they're trying to push forward, for example, a specific idea of Israel. It's like if people disagree with this idea, this is something that you can remove. If people are agreeing with this idea of Zionism or like very broad explanations of anti-Zionism were just being, you know, labeled as, as uh, hate speech while Islamophobia was very open to you know, um, exactly. So it's, it's, they're not only not challenging misinformation, they're actually, you know, contributing, uh, contributing it. Yeah, contributing yeah. to it. That's right. It's what's profitable. You know, that's the reality. You know, uh, controversy sells. And as we see, even with TV shows, you know, things like they'll incorporate vulgarity, they'll incorporate things that are shocking to viewers. Um, because they know that that's what gets people talking. That's what gets people viewing it. It comes down to really Marwan, what you were saying about kind of uh, everything being like a focus group, you know, everything being like determined by a group of people to, again, just generate the maximum amount of value um, out of it, essentially. Um, but yeah. That, 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 that exact point just brings us back to the, the same thing we were saying earlier, that, you know, we need our own media institutions and our own cultural yeah. that has... That we, you know, that appeals to us and um, among other Muslims that, that, you know, reflects our values and even just our needs. You know, that we're not like just reliant on these, you know, um, Euro-American organizations or whatever else organizations that don't necessarily have our best interests at heart, that don't carry our narratives and values. So it's just, um, yeah, just that absence is just becoming more and more noticeable. I feel in the last couple of years with the rise of social yeah. media and, and and you know increase. The increased increasing consumption of your your American culture in our country, just yeah, it just it's it's it's, it's there's, there's a lesson there. It's shocking, yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a discussion today in work uh, about Saudi and about how Saudi has some of the fastest social change you will ever see anywhere in the world currently. Yeah, uh, we do a lot of research on Saudi. Um, they they are. It's mind-boggling how much, you know, 
the, once the government steps in and really pushes forward, okay, like we're adopting fully American culture, for example, or we're adopting fully consumer consumer culture and and uh, capitalistic culture. Strong governments have very you know strong ability to to sway whole a huge part of their society, especially when they have a thousand consultants sitting, you know, somewhere in in the Middle East in cozy jobs, showing them, you know, every single mistake they're making and every single right thing they're making and, and really showing them the the way forward, you know, to, to push society in the way that they're trying to envision. Um, and it shows you not only do you need these strong media institutions, as you're talking about, Zane, you need also really strong media support institutions. Uh, these organizations that sit next to media organizations and like yeah. show them the way actually you know this is you know this is having this influence on society you need to shift a bit you need to push this way you need to push that way yeah um, um yeah yeah I, so they you know and, and that like raises the point you know like the only way you're gonna have like really you know healthy and interesting cultural output is, is if you do have that that space for it I think that that space is lacking in a lot of Muslim countries, you know, like oh, yeah. that isn't yeah. a lot of space for creative expression. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a problem. You know, Turkey is probably, the, uh, probably a, it's fair to say it's a step up a lot of the other Arab countries. So that, you know, probably explains their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, even like three years ago, there was some excellent media coming out of Tunisia. Uh, during the revolution, there was some incredible film coming out of out of a lot of the Middle East, out of Syria, out of Egypt. Um, but when you have these governments that are very interested in pushing society in a very specific direction, um, they can kind of take over the whole room and, and be the only form of expression and and stop you know the people within the country. Uh, of course, not all forms of of uh, full expression are. You know, of course, uh, yeah. some of it needs to be challenged. Some of it needs to be uh, disagreed with. But at the same time, when the only person putting forward ideas is a centralized government that doesn't really care about the people, that is neo-colonial, that, you know, the most important thing to them is, you know, continuing the structures of power that have been put forward by colonial uh, forces hundreds of years ago. And, and you know, at that at that point, you know, that's where you, you really need to critique these structures. Mm. Absolutely. I think I think that's a good good area to wrap it up on. Uh, much a really interesting discussion. We covered a lot, I think, you know, um, in this topic. I mean, there's it is such an a, hour. Yeah, almost an hour. Yeah, it is. It is a big topic. You know, there's so many different interesting facets to it. Um, inshallah, you know, we'll discuss it, you know, further at some point again. But uh, yeah, so Zakhlaker, both of you guys for you know for joining me um, on this podcast is you know great to have you both. Inshallah, you know uh, we'll continue to have uh, have uh, more podcast episodes. It'd be great to have you both of you back again for the for them. Inshallah, and uh, yeah, from all of us from Fani Islam, uh, hope you hopefully you enjoyed listening to this or watching this. And yeah, until next time, Assalamualaikum.